KKA Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another issue of Krakoa Radio. It has been a long time. We have missed you all, but we are back. It is me, your dowager of Krakoa, your host of Table Night, the very wet. Um, I have grip. I'm not tight. It's me, Jeff Sex Henry, with my fellow co-host, Black Word. Hello, Black Word, Stephen, your emissary and leader of Table Dusk. Welcome back. Yes, emissary. And, come on, emissary. And our lovely hung Dr. Showtime. Hello, hello, hello. Um, you know, representing Table Dawn, the winner's table, the loser's table, and the table of the tie. So we'll get there. Our fellow co-host, Wingard Vonte, is on a Rocco by Jerry Curl for Vulcan right now. He's focused on that. Um, but today, we are also introducing a brand new format to Krakoa Radio. So, going forward, we are no longer reviewing books in totality anymore. We're skipping the reviewing part. We all kind of feel that you niggas is reading this shit at home. Why we have to rehash something that you already read? It's like, it's like you know, you're trying to make a good movie, you need to worry about pacing. So what we're going to do now is give our ratings for the books and then talk about what we read and what we felt about it. Today, we are reviewing Marauders number three, Legion of X number one and two, and Knights of X number two. Do we want to go with Legion of X versus the biggest one of them all? This is the most information? Um, I think we want to do that one last. Okay, what, what, Steve, what do you think we should do first? Um, we can do that last. And my list I have here is Marauders goes first. Um, so we start there and then work our way towards that. All right. So we have Marauders number three. Um, my rating, I give it a eight out of ten. Steven? Um, my rating is a six out of ten. Showtime. Um, I give it a seven point five. The art is beast. It is what's throwing me the most. Okay, I'm being the most generous. Okay, so what are our thoughts concerning accusations with this shit? I know, I know what I loved. I know what I hated. I've actually been enjoying Cassandra Nova in this book. I know this is issue number three. Um. But I'm surprised that I actually like her. She's weird and creepy in like a in like a still likable way. Yeah, like I, I think I think Cassandra is one of those characters where I'm like, like she provides the cojones to the book. No one is really like interesting me right now. Like no one is. Um I think like, you know, she plays a good villain very well, even though like she's reformed or whatever. But Cassandra is very tickling to me. Very tickling, but that artwork is like, whoosh, whoosh. Well, it's like it's CGI almost. I don't like it. It looks like, like a bad episode of Beast Wars. Yes. Yes. I just don't, I'm just not fond. It's not, it's not giving. Um, I do appreciate that Xandra got shot. I do appreciate that they remembered that, um, Deathbird is around there somewhere, and um, they need to do something with her. 
there's definitely a synergy issue with this book. Like the characters don't feel like individuals. They're just there to react to whatever the circumstances going on. With. I agree with you. Yeah, it's kind of like it's. It's kind of like I just don't get like. I feel like we're trotting along to something, but it's like, and I and I and I and I tweeted this from the group, from the group from the from the Kakura Radio account. The destiny of X is just not giving. Like most of the books are ass. Um, I would beg to differ, but that's only because the of X books actually make Destiny of X better. So Legion of X, Knights of X. Um, the X-Men uh, Red Book, Immortal X-Men. It's the other books that you just be like, girl, so why are we here? Yeah. Why are I mean, we reading this? I'm, I'm not really moved by anything. I, and I think, like, the thing, too, is just, like, I mean, like, I do appreciate that, like, Xandra pulled rank and was like, look, I'm really tired of y'all shit. I do love... Wait, this part kind of fucked up. Cassandra has known all this time about the first shame. She's known about it this entire time. Apparently. Mm-hmm. But she was like, I wasn't going to, like, you know, I was going to tell you girls none of the tea, you know. <laughs> I, I, I wait for somebody else to show up and pop up and deal with this shit, but I wasn't dealing with nothing. I'm just saying. But it, it's, it's really interesting. There's a whole internal coup going on with the Shi'ar Empire. The Shi'ar Empire, like, they have a bunch of issues. They always got, they always got, like, courting and royalty issues and stuff mm-hmm. and 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 i love how um tempo uh gave gladiator the business sure did tempo has um been a standout and, and but that's, this book. but she's like the only standout that's thing that's kind of sad her and cassandra yeah pretty much because like kitty ain't doing shit Bishop's like, not doing shit. Dekin and Psylocke are sitting there being dry. Somnus is, we don't know what he's doing. And fucking Aurora's up there playing a beard and getting horny. Right. Aurora's just there. She really is. Like, nobody's not doing shit. It's a very uninteresting team outside of Cassandra Nova. And, and it's just, it, it used to be like such a good book. Like, Marauders, like, volume. One was really good. Volume two was just like, girl, what is this? What are y'all doing? Who's, who's writing this now? Is it Steve Orlando? It is Steve no. Orlando. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it is was Orlando. Jerry Duggan, but now it's Steve Orlando. That explains so much. There's shade in that. <laughs> but is, is shade ever a lie? No. Yeah, I, I just don't. And also, like, who is reading doing comes the before shade? Learn your history. And then, like, the artwork. This, this is like, this is like the general comic pet peeve. Your artwork on the outside should match the artwork on the inside. I hate when the cover art is better than it. Like, oh, I hate that. You know, I sort of agree because if I'm looking at the cover and I open the book and I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" Right. I immediately want to close it back. Like the like like one of the things about like X Men, which was like a real gift, was that uh, Pepe Larraz and Javier Pena's artwork was was very similar, and that could been helped to the colorist and the and the and the uh, and the inker. But like, 
their work was so adjacent to each other, like you really couldn't tell the other one from the other too much. But the the artwork on the outside, like even like the, in the, on the out, on the outside, Psylocke and Bishop don't even have like they they like they all like in teen uniforms. And when do they all get in teen uniforms? I have so many questions. And then she find that big dragon with like Battle Cat, which is also stressing me out. Which we also just, is like we just it's, it's, and I don't actually know what Cassandra Nova's actual powers are. So there's that. Is she telekinetic? And telepathic? She just telepathic? She has she has access to Charles and Xavier's latent telekinesis that he never uses because he never um, unlocked it. Because it never activated truly for him. But he has potential. Um is the reason why he's using it now that he's wearing Cerebro, but she has and had when she de- when she uh debuted a mastery over it that he doesn't. Uh okay. So that's he used that very briefly in Inferno against Nimrod, but you never otherwise see him use it for real, for real. He used it once when he was getting a flash drive from Mystique, but that's about oh, it. He never really been to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else about Marauders that we have comments or critiques about? Fundamentally, I just feel like this book has no soul. Um, to it is a lot of interesting lore to it, but it's not melding right together. And it's just because the characters are just long ornaments on whatever adventure this is. Um, by now, I feel like we're talking about the first mutants, and I feel like they need to have actually taken the time to explore or introduce who the fuck they were. Because if you did not read that one stand-in for the introduction with the Phoenix Force was in an Avengers comic, you would not know what happened to them or what went down or like the the fact that they had a community back then. Um, and so they're just chasing after this nameless thing, which seems to be a reoccurring trend across this in Knights of X, where the characters are hunting something. But the thing about Knights of X is they're going after the Siege Perilous, which is the thing you know about, versus this where you have no idea and it's all really abstract and truth be told, you feel like they shouldn't care as much about it as they do. Um, It feels like overall they're trying to do something big here and it's not brushing very well, especially because the Shi'ar Empire situation just feels annoying more than it feels interesting. Like, Sandra should have knew that this is a B613 issue where the people that she's trying to out the military power holds more power than she does. Right. The Avengers book, your Avengers book that you're referring to, is that the one where they went back to 1 million BC or whatever the fuck to talk about um, the Phoenix Force that ended up being Thor's mom? Yeah. Okay. Which is a whole bunch of fuckery in and of itself. But you know well, apparently we get we get some we get some understanding of that in um in in the acts event coming up for judgment day. Is so, Karen Gillen writing the entire event and all the tie-ins? Cause goddamn. That I do not know. Cause I looked at the when I started looking at okay, so what books do I need to follow for this event? Kieran Gillen's name is on like 95% of them. Because you need to read all of them. Like the Axe event doesn't feel like it's going to be a tie-in that's wasted. More so that each and every book has a major component because each and every book is lore heavy. Like I think the weakest book in this 
might just only be the Avengers. But then again, the Avengers get tied in because they have the Phoenix Force and they have a star brand over there. And like they have major issues with both. And also and the Avengers the Celestial and the, their base. And also the Eternals were once major proponents um of the Avengers. Like people keep looking at it like it's supposed to be a really straight up fight and it's gonna be one and done. Two at least one of them, um, Gilgamesh, is powerful enough to beat Thor. Um, and Cersei is flat out a reality warper on the level of Proteus. They got those three one-offs, the book about Iron Man, the book about Jean Grey that's supposed to explore her relationship with the Phoenix and maybe give it back to her. I don't know. And the book about uh, Ajax. I really don't want Gene to have the Phoenix Force again. I really don't. I don't. But I don't want. I don't want Echo to have it though either. Give it They're, to Richard. I think they need to give it back to her. And I think either that one needs to explain the connection. Because I do yeah. agree where with Connor Goldsmith um, on Cerebro, he discusses the idea that the Phoenix Force is just an elevation of Gene's actual identity. It's possible to be done. Jean does have her psychic form that she really, really has used so far. Um, I think what they're going to do is just connect that dot of the fact that you can't actually separate the phoenix from Jean. Um, yes, she can be divorced from it. Yes, she can break up and go on her own path. But fundamentally, the phoenix force is her. Because I feel like something's coming. Because I remember, like, in the last X-Men issue when they were on Game World, and she had mentioned that the phoenix never controlled her. Um... I think that like something's coming, and I think that's probably part of it. I I, I will say personally, I think Rachel should have the Phoenix because she's a better utilizer of it than Jean was. But um, I just don't want it. It just it just had never made sense to me why Echo had the Phoenix Force. It seemed Rachel's, like it seemed, go ahead, Boo. Rachel's the only host that has never been corrupted. The only one, right? Right. Because this, this reminds me of that whole, like, Phoenix Foxfire thing with Mal- Malibu Comics years ago. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but mm-hmm. Malibu Comics was an imprint that was a, a, at first a, a, like a solo thing, but then they got bought out by Marvel, similar like how Wildstorm was bought from um, Image Comics, and they started integrating their characters. And at one point, some, some mutants went to the Malibu universe, and um, I don't know where Marvel is at with them now with, Mar- with Malibu Collins. The, the characters are still utilized. I don't know, whatever. But they did a, they did a Phoenix-like story, and it was a mess. It was a whole no, mess. Nobody has used the Phoenix great, really, since Claremont. Everybody I enjoyed... Like, Meh. I enjoy what Quentin Quire has to, has to do with it a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people don't like Quentin Quire because he's an incel. Um, I feel like fundamentally they misinterpret the narrative of what's going on around him. Like he's a he's literally like a walking talking, um, he's a literary reference, basically. And mm-hmm. so what he was doing for the time was supposed to be interpreted completely different than how we interpret it now. Um, whether or not that matters in the grand scheme, no, it doesn't. He is a bad person. But I think fundamentally what they were trying to say with him having access and the ability to use the Phoenix Force is something fundamental about a necessary darkness you need to have to wield the Phoenix. Echo as a character, 
just flat out also not being a mute. It just doesn't feel like she qualifies for it. Um, I think she should yeah. be a, a, a wielder. I think she should be a conduit for it. I don't think, I really, I think the one thing I do still want is them to accept the fact that there could be multiple conduits to the Phoenix, even if the Phoenix truthfully belongs to one person. I think they keep taking it away from Jean because it's too powerful of a power-up. But fundamentally, you don't have to leave it as powerful as it was to let her still be the Phoenix. Split that shit up across five people. Let them be her checks and balances. Have some scenes where she's meeting with her five to discuss how much access she has to it. Um, her own last, little Phoenix Council. The last time they split the Phoenix Force up, it was the Phoenix Five, and that was Avengers versus X-Men. And we saw how that ended. The Phoenix Five was a problem in that five people had equal access to it and equal say. Fundamentally, also, none of them were Gene or Rachel, which is a curious situation. None of them were Gene or Rachel or even Quentin Quired. I think if she creates it with five people who are ideally the host and cannot be corrupted, truth be told, um, it's a completely different scenario. Like, the Phoenix chose Echo at the end of the day. That's a good enough reason for me. Um, Rachel born to be a conduit for the uh, Phoenix Force. Quentin Quire is ego personified. He can't be corrupted because he can't really truthfully change his mind about things. And Gene, I think fundamentally those four people are the ideal hosts for something like the Phoenix Force. And I think it would be a better narrative surrounding like the notion that someone with absolute power cannot be like corrupted by their own whims and wants. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Some somebody else, child. Somebody. Somebody else. I, I, it, it just can't be. I, and I, I think I just don't like white supremacists having access to that. It is really weird to me. I just don't. It's like it's like it's like oh, let's give the police AK. Oh, they're already doing that. Hmm. Uh, let's give let's give police um robot dog. No, they're already doing. Let's give um, police SWAT equipment. No, they're already doing that. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what I right. mean. Anything else on Marauders? No, I don't have any more thoughts. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So we are next to Knights of X number two. Uh, <laughs> um, I want to give this, I want to give this a seven out of 10. I actually give it a nine. Okay. I average it out about seven out of 10 as well. But only just because I feel like it is going to be the same situation as Excalibur. And when I read this and the next five or eight issues altogether, it's going to run together beautifully. What do you mean? Like, I remember how our early, if we go back to our earlier episodes, our scores for Excalibur were fundamentally not that pristine. And then I went back to reread it and I changed my entire tune about it. And it's just because the way that T.D. Howard um, writes... Excalibur and wrote mm-hmm. I wrote Excalibur and is writing Knights of X is very much the same in that mm-hmm. she is creating issues that are actually chapters. Mm-hmm. Um and you can't really read like if you 
if you read it all together in like a volume, you will have mm-hmm. a powerful story that runs together like a book. If you read it every every month with a different issue, it feels like you're waiting for something to happen. You go like, oh, three issues, nothing happening. Because the little bits she drops individually adds up to a total. Um, and so it makes it for a difficult like rating system on a month-by-month basis because you're waiting for something pivotal to happen. But the things are happening, and they'll get to a big moment um, when you get to that segment of the chapters. Like, I want to say, when we get to issue three, we'll run into something that is, like, the big pivot point of the comic. But we just haven't gotten there yet. It's just, like, transition, transition, and we're waiting for the big explosion to happen. But there's micro-explosions to pay attention to, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Teeny Howard, uh, when you had uh, mentioned that you went back and read uh, Excalibur as as the trades as opposed to individually, um, and then I did the same thing, you're absolutely correct. The Teeny Howard's writing actually reads better as a trade than it does as individual issues for that very reason that she said, that it the little micro steps forward when you read it in a trade, you like it better. But when you see it in individual issues that are months apart, it it reads a little slow. Um, I mean, I like it. Because um, I think the thing I like about it is that, like, it really feels like the Claremont era of X-Men drama, like Sentinels and, you know, mm-hmm. real oppression and less captured immunities and Jim Jaspers being thrown on with like a, 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 a collar with, that suppresses abilities. Um, it's like almost like the X-Men in the Outback kind of situation. Um, it, it, it's very much like, it's like, cause like, cause like bad enough, like on Earth and of course, Araco, Planet Araco, they're 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 feared and definitely respected at the same time. Like you know what, well, look, these people are organized. Let's not fuck with them. You know, let them just breathe. You know, and they have you know diplomatic sovereignty, whatever the fuck they got going on. But on other world, they really are a minority group, and nobody's hearing shit. Nobody's not dealing with any of that stuff. It's like you know, kill these motherfuckers. Like you know what I'm saying. But I just felt like when I got to the part where they went to go rescue. Um, What's mama's name? Um, what's that husband's name? God damn it. What is I, her name? Kyle? Um, Red Root? No. No, no, the no. lady with the hat. The cowboy lady in, in, in Blightswill. Uh, Gay Kitty. Oh, White, Whitechapel. Whitechapel. What is the rescue Whitechapel and um and and then her team, which they were also mutants too. And as soon as she was a mutant, it was like Oh, it was like, you know, and she killed herself but for a later situation. It was just like, it's like, where? <sighs> it, 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 it's, 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 it's not exciting. It, it's, not, it's not exciting. I will say I do like the artwork. I do like where this is going. Um, I, I, um, Shatterstar and Richter. Rick, 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 you need to focus. This is not fun. Like, if you die out here, Joe, like, it's that's that's it. Like, that's it. And Rick is like, girl, you playing. And like, I'm going to lose my man because you playing. If you die out this bitch, you dead. But one thing, I kind of have a theory. 
Um, I wonder what will happen once they get the Siege Perilous and drop um, Rock Slide through it. Would that be a way mm. to remedy him and Gorgon to align their um, bodies back to the reality that they're supposed to exist in? Because I'm, I'm saying, like, you die in Otherworld, you're resurrected. You're kind of like somewhat of an amalgamation of some of your other reality counterparts. Maybe Rock Slide. They're never going to put Gorgon through that portal. Yeah, because making him a Nazi again is not cool. This is their scot-free way of retconning all of that and making him okay. Um, and so they're never going to do it. At most, they might try to synthesize the personalities a bit better um, rather than leave him a, a broken amalgamation. But even then, I think they're trying to test the waters to see how they can transform their characters into a conversation or ability. But... That's more of a discussion of how he is kind of taken um, in at uh, Four Legions of X first. Yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting to see where this goes. I'm waiting to see where this goes. I'm really super curious. I don't know. I see they brought back, um, like, Gambit's whole I use a deck of tarot cards now rather than just a playing card mm-hmm. uh which i do appreciate i really do like that they're sticking to that because it's a more interesting application of his powers um and also i like the tidbits we're getting on the grimoire of apocalypse i'm not sure if what they're trying to tell us is basically this book is basically apocalypse's love letter to richter or if it is just a statement of this is a love letter he actually had for his kids um, mm. and his wife. But I see that we're going to get that for next issue of, of explanation because they're going to go get death. Which I've been wondering what Apocalypse and Genesis children have been up to this whole time that Merlin's been taking over other world. What y'all been doing? Yeah. I, 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 think, I'm think, I think the thing that's like the thing that, that is starting to happen with the um the Hickman era of X Men is that like I remember when they when they killed all the mutants off and did the one nine eight and we had all like they did all the like you know normal mutants things just condensed the book of so many mutants everywhere we're kind of falling back into that territory kind of sorta of again and not in a good way because there's a lot of like plot lines are just hanging around and dangling and they have yet to be resolved like y'all just gonna let Apocalypse go off with his girl and back to the Amen and we're not gonna talk about it. And is it Amen somewhere adjacent to Otherworld? It's not. Mm-hmm. Technically, um, it's a portal, right? Meriden is the world they conquered. It's not a part of Otherworld, but you can get to it through Otherworld, because Otherworld overlaps all realities. So, it's not going to be impacted as much as they're gonna close off Otherworld altogether, and then Amenth is going to be permanently separated from the main world again. Whether or not, like, Apocalypse and them care or are aware it's going on is a completely different matter because that would require someone to go through Meridian or at least his twins probably know because um, Pestilence and Famine were in charge of the council. And then when they saw everything going belly up, they just said, fuck this and left, which... Not a bad idea. Um, 
But we don't know what's going on, on their side because they're still in charge of trying to keep Ament under control and the demons that are just mindless there kind of... It's very much like an Ileana situation, early Ileana, where she was gone most of the time because they were like, oh, she's mm-hmm. in limbo because there's a demon uprising. And she's like, the demons are always uprising. They're always doing whatever they need to do. They're always going to bubble up. And sometimes you got to go there for an extended amount of time and bust the biggest demon's heads until the little ones stop acting up. Mm-hmm. That's real. But I don't want a good goddamn thing. Those little uh, magical sentinels, I don't like those things. Mm-mm. They can go. Delete all that shit. Delete all that shit. I don't like that. Nope. I don't like how the magic we have no wizards. Um, Fundamentally, that feels awful that we're reading magic books. Someone needs to talk to Teeny. She's trying to mix it in, but I just feel like she's doing a whole D&D class system thing. That's why certain mutants are here and certain mutants aren't. And they're keeping um, Shogo safe, which I appreciate. I think Teeny realized that it's kind of problematic to have a baby in the middle of an active war zone. And also, he's just too powerful. Um, but fundamentally, I feel like the lack of a sorcerer on this team, also the lack of knowledge of what the fuck Morge's power is, I think all these things need to be squared away next issue, which I feel like Teeny's going to do. I feel like... If Teeny already anticipated everyone would be like, it's kind of weird that Shogo is here, even though the meta reasons we know that everyone loves Shogo um, and no one really cares for Jubilee like that, but she, we can take or leave her. And also Teeny seems to know what each character is doing on this team and how to advance their individual stories. Uh, I think she will anticipate what the fuck is going on with Anubis or not Anubis, death and like the traditional deed for this book to have a conversation about magic still, like, the, like a scholar did. I think that's going to somehow come up with more dread somehow, since they haven't described what the fuck his power is anyway, so. All right, any more thoughts on Excalibur number... Knights of X, Oops, sorry, racist. Uh, I saw some people not liking uh, Betsy's costume, um, which Uh I'm not entirely sure why not. I think it was important for her to change her costume up a little bit. Um, She's homeless. Like, what what the fuck do they expect her to be wearing? Like, god damn. They were like, oh, they wanted her to wear a combination of that awful costume she made when she reformed herself. And when she reconstituted her body, that awful pink lavender situation i'm like that's a that's a bad costume i'm happy to take her ass out of it you put her back in the suit armor i'm like then you won't be able to tell her apart from all the other betsy's like this is a point why she's wearing her costume like this it's because she's the head she's a captain um people will find anything not to like about this comic honestly i feel sometimes even though we know the whole shebang um and other than that i'm happy to remember that betsy knows how to fly because i feel like teeny kind of heard Everyone pointed that out about the uh, the Exosaurus event, where she was at the top of a tower and needed someone to catch her, and we're like, she can fly. She's a whole telekinetic. That's all I got. I like Rachel's Phoenix powers being uh, making her a pyrokinetic, and I like Megan. And that's where that stops. 
Yeah. All right. On, on to um, Legion of X 1 and 2. Yes. So we'll give each issue a score and then we'll just go over both of them together. Okay, so go first. Go, go show now. Um, I give Legion of X number one an 8.5, and I give Legion of X number two a 9.5. Steven? Um, I give Legion of X one a nine, and Legion of X two a seven. I give Legion of X number one a, a 9.5. I give Legion of X number two an eight. Y'all didn't like um, uh, Mother Righteousness? No, I don't like her. I don't like her. I don't like her. I don't hate her. I don't hate her. I just feel like... I feel like the second issue was just... No, she's just a god. That's it. She... um, I know the exact archetype. I could tell the writer of this read Fables because there's a character like her in Fables where... She's the Lady of the Lake in Fables, and the Lady of the Lake has is one of these creatures who are in charge of destinies and fates, and she goes around handing destinies to people. It's like that that concept of the goddess in most in most books, in most fiction, that character who starts people on their quest. The concept of it was personified as Lady of the Lake because she gave the sword to King Arthur, or like she gave she did a bunch of shit in the Arthurian legend. Depends it's on the way you read. But it's, it's that archetype. It's yeah, it's, er, it's Ursula, basically. It's, yeah, it's I start Ursula. the shit. It's also like in um, Knights of X. What's her name? I don't forget her name. Merlin's daughter. Roma, oh, Lady Roma. Yeah. What she did right then and there, she called it out like by definition. She said, fairy magic. I'm going to give you a quest. It's old magic. I don't have no, I have no idea how it's going to change you. It's going to change you. And fundamentally, it's an impossible task. Um... And the magic to get you home is literally by starting you on this quest. Uh, she did it. She called it out by the word. So that's exactly the archetype. And fables, she's kind of like people like that are kind of assholes because they're a very high business and they're trafficking in the business of acquiring fates. It treats very much like being a talent broker a bit. Um, yeah, I don't like her. Yeah, she has a spin to it, which is targeting mutants in particular that seems yeah. very most the most interesting because yeah. mutants as we know their connection to magic and the fact mm-hmm. that they are mutants they have a higher threshold i think in terms of what shit you can get from them especially you're messing with someone like legion who for one person you get thousands mama scheming i don't like that she's she's scheming and and blindfold like i don't want no parts because that bitch gonna do something stupid i don't want no parts of this i'm good Mm-mm, nope no no, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. No, I, I think, think it's very, very interesting story, and I, I actually like her because I don't know what the fuck to think about her, and that's why I like her. I swear to God, if in three issues they reveal that it's actually Loki, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to physically oh. vomit. Um, that would piss me off. It will be repulsive. It will be disgusting, and I'll never want to see it again. Um, but fundamentally, I think it is intriguing how they kind of just took the concept of what a god is, which is they are wish generators. Like you, you pray to them, you give them your worship, you ask for things, and you hope that they'll give it to you. Um, 
I've read interesting con- like conversations about like, the whole concept of a God is sometimes the concept of a God is to do that, is to serve you in some way and answer your prayers. We all watch American Gods and they talk about that and extensive. Um, but they also talk about the concept of a religion, which is you buy into a religion because not only do the morals of the religion you buy into reflect the path of life you want to walk, but you basically are doing for the afterlife. Um, and so it's very interesting that they haven't really touched on what kind of afterlife is this God promising you if you worship her. Um, I do want to talk about the fact that we didn't ever get to talk about, which is the concept of the Iraqi saying that why would we worship? And it's interesting this happened because people who got to that argument with me about gods and the mutants basically being fucking gods. Why would mutants worship someone who's not stronger than them? Which is basically saying most mutants are stronger than your average god. Magneto said you have new gods now. He said it right in House of X. And Omega level mutant with an ample enough ability. I'm not saying like yeah, actually, no, Latuka literally is a god. She's omnipotent. Right. I have amply powerful god, which is, uh, I'm sorry, amply powerful omega-level mutant, which is almost all of them, a good 99% of them, really, um, are powerful enough to be qualified as a god. The only person who's more qualified to be a god is only two mutants, Genesis and Storm. Storm, both divinely and by the basis of her powers, is a god. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The only reason why we don't say Genesis is is because basically Genesis is... Well, no, she is a god because she has a fucking helmet on. There is no definition that they don't meet. And so I'm happy to introduce the conversation piece. Thankfully, by introducing the head of my table. Um, Aura Serata is really weird looking, but I also am really fascinated by them. I think she used she, her pronouns. I think that's how they introduced her. Okay. It's her, her, yeah. Um, I appreciate her ability, which is not an ability. It's just a weapon. Um, I'm happy they, they clarified exactly what they mean by that, which is a mutant weapon isn't just a mutant gift. A mutant weapon is a thing you can use to hurt someone. Um, and so basically, yeah, Aura Serata is one of the most powerful motherfuckers that exists up there because she's literally a spirit bomb. Because her power is to erase you from existence totally. Is that it? Yeah, it's to render you unto oblivion. It's to obliviate whatever falls into her gaze. Ah. So it's like, if I had to say a comparable system, death and Cyclops' ability, she is the omega level potential of it. Okay, so... Death's death stare. Hers is like the Omega version. Yeah, it's I don't okay. kill whatever falls to my sight. I wipe it from existence. Though whether or not it sends it someplace, it'll be an interesting concept. If it sends it to the same, which I'm not sure they ever retconned Cyclops' ability, how they explained it back in the day when they're like, oh, his eyes are actually portals into another dimension. And I feel like they retconned that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Back to just being eye lasers. I'm sorry. I eye lasers still, with no heat. I think it's still his eyes are portals into that impressive energy dimension. Which they, I feel like if they want to do that, they should have just linked that together with Sidorak. I would have wrote it a long time ago. Like, actually, his eyes are portals to the dimension of Sidorak, just so I could tie in as much other shit into that as possible. 
Yeah, because all the it's all the like Summer that. Brothers powers are solar or spatially based. Like they they have some kind of cosmic absorption or something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like with Cyclops, I know like like you said, Steve, it's concussive force. It's not heat force. They're yeah. not. That's like that's kind of that's like kind of thing they kind of fucked up in X Men movies was when Scott came to the Xavier Institute in in the second set of movies and he lit that tree on fire when he actually like uses ability his power is not it's, it's like it's pressure it's not it's not heat he can't he can't like he can't light a forest on fire but he can push all the trees back and it seems he can amplify the amount of like energy that he outputs whether right. or not how big the beam is like i one of the best animations i want to say for his power that kind of clarify like people need to stop sleeping on him power wise is back in the day when it was like a um goddamn his soul josh wheaton wrote like that splash page where he tapped his visor and it issued a beam it just turned the whole page red and then when it right. cleared off almost everything was destroyed right and i'm like that's a pretty accurate representation of like how powerful cyclops is when he's not holding back or when he wants his intent to carry out like total annihilation um, it's he's, that he don't do that. He's a lot stronger than people like anticipate him to be, uh, which says a lot because Havoc and Vulcan are both stronger. Just he's more experienced than the two of them. I don't um, know if Havoc is stronger. I think Havoc's ability just leans more towards like more proper manipulation than like Cyclops does because Cyclops only outputs. Where I have seen, I think I've seen moments where Havoc has gone full blown like shaping his energy burst and like doing more finesse with it um havoc's power i'm gonna be real i've never really liked it it's sort of like i can shoot energy beams it's like just a different way to do scott's ability but scott's ability because it's so limited he's it's like the my hero academia route where like people got stupid powers on that show but they use it interestingly that makes it go like, okay, I can see why with your power, you still got chose uh, for Xavier. Cause you know, he was handpicking on motherfuckers. Um, but Havoc, Havoc's whole definition is that he's not good enough to be Scott. And so his power just never feels that extraordinary. And then you get Vulcan whose whole basis, I'm more extraordinary than both my, bro- my brothers. And I'll also have all their personality flaws. Well, but part of the thing is, too, is, like, to have its credit why people think his power is cool because of how it's visually represented with those circles. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, like, if he was just, like, just glowing red, no one would probably give a fuck. But, like, he has, like, like oh, he has the circles. Wow, circles. So, like, people are, like, always, like, like beguiled by his fucking circles. I'm not... His omega-level torso? Yeah, like... You want you want to be you want to be Nightwing so bad. He will never be Nightwing. I know that's he the, does. That's, I, that's the shade about having. Try to make him be sexy like Nightwing. He's, he's not even Nightwing. Story. He's Jason Todd. Right. He's nothing to story. Uh-uh, uh, don't come for Jason Todd like that. Jason you, Todd actually has done a lot. Have you Jason never Todd is most iconic for being so hated as a Robin that they killed him. That's what, that's what we should know. That's what Havoc we should and know. Helkin, they're in the same therapy group. That's a sidebar. We should know something's wrong with the world when they killed that man back in the 80s. That 
that was uncalled for. I would never they, vote they, for the they, murder they of a child. Right. <laughs> you know what? We don't really talk about it. Like, that is some really dark shit. They really voted him to die. <laughs> I thought they did that shit as a joke, and then they, they got they so many votes. In, did they kill him in the killing joke? Yeah. Yeah. That awful, awful story also. Because, Wow. Yeah, that was. Wait, no, I don't think it was the killing joke. That's when they paralyzed Barbara Gordon. Um, but I don't think that's when he died. I don't remember the exact issue. I thought like it was just one Google away. I can pull up now. Jason Todd died. I feel like the movie and... Killing Joke had him die, if not the comic also. Because the he killing didn't joke die. The, movie... like everyone, the comic God. misconception is that he died to the Joker from a crowbar. That's not the actual point. Like he got he got beat. The fuck up that crowbar, but like he died from the bomb. It says Batman number four twenty eight. Is that saying what storyline it was? Oh, it was a death in the family. Okay, because a killing joke was where uh, Batman uh, trigger warning uh, rapes Barbara Gordon for some fucking reason. No, it was like Joker sexually assaults um, Barbara Gordon, not knowing that she was Batgirl, but knowing that she's connected to Commissioner Gordon. And it was whole Hail Mary moment. Like, he was... Honestly, if I can frame it, he was having a manic episode, and he thought Batman wasn't taking him seriously. And so he's going to tell him, like, oh, I can corrupt even the greatest man. Like, I'm no different than any other person in the world. Watch as I do horrific things to Commissioner Gordon. Um, and so Barbara Gordon was paralyzed and sexually assaulted um, to kind of further the story of men is is legendarily like one of the most defining moments for Barbara Gordon but also one of the sloppiest moments in terms of feminist representation in comics um, because she was, her character was dramatically altered in accordance to her relationship to these men um, I'm happy, Young Justice retconned it in this, in this show because they kind of, I think they kind of realized that it's kind of sloppy whereas she's now mm-hmm. paralyzed because she was saving orphans um, from corrupting herself. And so that's her big moment is that she was paralyzed doing that for another woman instead. Which I appreciate that change because the the Joker story, oh God, awful. Um, yeah, I don't like the Joker. Podcast I, and we are talking about Batman. You know, wow. listen, right. if anything that's comparable to the X-Men is a Batman story. Um, Wolverine wants to be Batman so bad, but he'll never be that. Oof. But I also like they, them highlighting more about Storms and Nightcrawler's relationship. I really love it. They're playful flirting and like, I don't know. I feel like, because they're, they're the hottest members of the X-Men, right? They're both the finest members of the X-Men. Um, and and they went, joined at the same time. They joined at the same time. They're like the only remnants of the, the giant-sized X-Men team that feels like they really love each other. Like, I, I still feel like if they were going to do any type of reboot of a comic, I would really want the original giant size X-Men team together on a team again. Um, because I think those relationships need more fleshing out because you kind of don't get the impact that they regard each other as like a, a whole interconnected team. Like people go the original five in terms of the original X-Men. No one really talks about the giant size team and like this is a secondary family, and this is a vital moment of connection between them. Like, Colossus, a little bit. Um, Colossus and Storm's relationship, but Colossus hasn't been the same since he came back to life. And that relationship kind of got erased of her. And he's mind control, or 
you know, Mikhail is yeah, my controlling him. And I think it will be cathartic. Like once we get rid of all that and rectify it, um, I think it will be important for them to kind of flesh, like return them all to their roots. Because I think they've done a lot of transformation work for each of these characters individually, not including Banshee. Because having your skin ripped off, as we saw in issue two, has really fucked with him by his ex-wife. And who who was it who called that immediately out to him? And who was that? That lady it was, was Sage. <laughs> Sage immediately was like, "Oh, so you're back? You feeling all right? You okay? You hey, good? baby, how you doing?" <laughs> also, um, weaponless Zen, however the fuck you say her name, I'm. I think I'm gonna like her. Horny as fuck. Yeah, man, she got to put that pussy mm-hmm. on him. She's like, you're going to get this pussy, little blue boy. Said, is it a celibacy sort of situation as a priest, or can, does that dick work? She's like, you like, you fucking her now. She's giving me, her power is like um, the mutant version of Karnak's ability from the Inhumans. Yeah, mom's a sucky bitch. A bit. I'm happy they did showcase. Like, she just finds the weakness. That's my power. Mom Isn't her power sad. like I? She it's like she paints the truth. Um, yeah, yeah, she's the only form of painting. One of the only forms of painting we appreciate on the podcast. But she paints the truth. But they they adjusted it a bit more to let you know, like, yeah, she can illustrate it, but the impact of it is still internal. She right. detected yeah. lies immediately when they weren't telling the truth. I appreciate. The, she said she can't use it as a weapon. Yeah, but she just knows that she can tell when someone's lying because it doesn't, I guess it just doesn't give her the urge to want to create, um, which is an interesting dynamic to a power. I'm happy when, I always love an X-Men character with a passive ability that the writer finds more interesting to write about than any of the active abilities. You know what, um, so I was talking with one of my friends the other day, and we noticed that the uh, Krakoans all have like cut and dry powers for the most part, but the Iraqis all have concepts for powers. Like, um, I paint the truth is a concept. Like, what the fuck is that? Uh, always I'm un- unbeatable. That's a concept. I have a biome inside my body. That's a concept. Like, they, none of them are like. I can uh, I can fly and that's my power. Like they all have like. If you can fly concept, as a power, typically is also reflected in a physical mutation as well. Even um, though, even though a boy who's with X Men with the with the Brotherhood, like the the Rocky guy, like who claims he doesn't have the ability, but everybody like is afraid of this nigga. Fisher King. Yeah, like yeah, like what is that? Like this, I mean, that's I, there's something there. I think he's either human or he's a mutant whose exegy never kicked in. They never call them humans. They, they make very clear, like, you are not to call an Iraqi human by any stretch of imagination. They're all mutants. But there seems to be some vagueness to it that they are hinting at in, like, two different comics, which is... Because he's old and no one else on Araco is old. Yeah. They seem to imply that people with undesirable abilities go to turn to receive modification. And I guess that's his lessons 
like how they frame it, I, it's more of an outwardly predatory version of Charles Xavier's Institute. Um, which honestly, I've just realized that's not a concept they ever really mess with in the Marvel universe. Is there a school where you go to to become super in some way? They don't really do that. Not even Liberia school for gifted people did that. His school seems to be structured around the idea that he will give you powers, but it seems to be a practice of him torturing students. Um, and to admit the weaknesses of Arako by them having to go to someone to get power, which is why I think he really respected and fucked with Storm in that comic as well. Um, but fundamentally, Iraqi culture seems to be the idea of if it's not a weapon and it can't be used as a weapon, it's not a mutant weapon. Fisher King never said he didn't have a power, I don't think. He just said he doesn't have a weapon. Right. This right. comic kind of revealed that they do not consider passive abilities to be weapons. And it's right. seen that the Fisher King has a natural ability to like speak eloquently and unify people. Like, he has a legacy. He's great. Everyone respects him. And when he speaks, they listen and they come together. But that wouldn't seem like like how um our our girl, Cora. Right. Her. Her power, she's like, that's not a good gift. My power, when I use it outwardly, is not good because it's making other people great. And they're, quote, unquote, kind of cheating because she's giving them strength rather than letting them have their own strength. And so her power seems more shameful when she uses like that. Right, because like someone like Forget-Me-Not in this book is someone who is a, has a conceptual power. Like, he's not memorable. Yes. Which it's is, a shit. It's a good power. It's just I think Iraqis was look at him like he's kind of handicapped and a little bad for him. Did they? Did I read somewhere that somebody has the ability to always see him? I know that. I know Xavier put a telepathic marker on him just so he doesn't. Like Suka knows where he is. It's like, but did I see that on panel in one of the Legion of X books that somebody said that they? they they can see him even when his power is active? I don't think so, no. I think there are mutants. I think they did talk about um, there might be mutants who exist who do know who he is, but fundamentally, no, I didn't see that in the panel. Okay, maybe I just made that up in my head. Um, there might be, but like even when he was introduced, I think he was introduced, he was introduced in Legion's comic, yeah, so that's why he's here. Uh, Legion's comic, he was introduced, and he was like, he came up to Legion, he was like, Actually, you met before. I know your father. And he explained, like, that whole telepathic alert system that lets Xavier always remember who he is. Um, I feel like he's been the X-Men all along. Like, he's he wasn't around part of the original five, but he's, like, around Polaris's era. I think that's it. Uh, they imply that's where he joined. And he's always just kind of been there. But instead of being outward, he became, like, a spy, just walking around places. So, it, like, uh, Cypher with an I and, like... Um, Sage and Cypher, yeah. Like Sage, yep. Um, But, yeah, fundamentally, the Iraqi do have conceptualized abilities. But it's also because the Iraqi also have more of an attachment to magic. Like, you see more mutants on that side who have magical abilities through their mutation. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a statement just of mutations responding to environment rather than responding to some consensus. Like, I'm pretty sure there's probably some technopaths uh, in Araco, or more so their technopaths are, like, technopaths who can connect to magic rather than technology. 
Yeah, I don't think I've seen that any Iraqi anything close to a technopath. Like because nothing close. You see other people with weird conceptualized abilities like Malice. Her power turned her into a necklace. Don't do Malice in her necklace like that. She deserves it. That's a bad... You, your energy activates and suddenly turns into a negligee. That's not exactly a useful ability. It's a good power. power Don't get me wrong. Possession is a good power. Why does it turn you into a gold chain? Well, you gotta, you know, everybody likes getting hit in the face by a gold chain. I'm working on one of those right now. Um, But yeah, fundamentally... (laughs) But yeah. um, The second issue... I like seeing them jump a god. I appreciate them doing that. I appreciate they're incorporating more about the all challenge as a concept, which is an affront to them individually as a culture, is a challenge to all of Morocco, and therefore it's allowed that you jump the fuck out of somebody. Um, And then within that, of course, uh, I appreciate... I'm trying to remember everything that went down. Oh, they acknowledge how... Arako does not fucking like what the fuck happened in terms of them quote unquote saving Arako but not acknowledging their trauma. Right. And now a bunch of gods are flooding in and asking for help and like trying to get worshippers. And they're like, we had laws about this for a fucking reason. We hadn't had any, like the last, like what, is that 100 years? We hadn't had any gods here. Now we got a bunch of gods popping up overnight trying to get us to get power for free and they can't even prove themselves. But you know what? But, that's, but you know what? Let's talk about it. That's the real problem with gentrification, and I think the thing that that people are not acknowledging in this exchange is that, ooh, I want to talk about. Take from my, I'm about to say something really messy. I'm about to say something really fucked up. I don't know. I think this comedy is kind of going congruent to X Men Red, where we're seeing very much that conversation of. Hey, culturation versus assimilation. And right. what's going on within, like, what happens with all that? And it's like one comic is like very much, it's ironic that no one realizes that Storm is a god. And I hope they do bring that up as an argument. Like, she's actually is a god. Like, there's no if or ands about it. She is divinity. She has worshipers. Um, but at the same time, she wields a seat on the table. She's beat, beating everyone. Um and she's two wheels, two seats, two seats and on the council, the of, of and soul. like no one can defeat her. Does that mean that she's the only god worthy of the Iraqi? And what exactly does that mean in terms of their laws? Don't they? I know this is talking about a book that didn't come out with this set of books, so past stuff. But didn't they? Didn't they in X-Men Red 2 essentially say that they were worshiping her when her and the rest of her brotherhood popped up to uh, handle whoever the fuck that was? Yeah, because I remember she said specifically the Vulcan, there would be no, there'd be no thrones. It wasn't right, so much as... No she destroyed her throne and all that. And Iska was talking cash shit to her the whole time. It right. was not worship. And that's kind of why Iska felt like it explains more about why Iska had a mood about her. Um, it did feel like worship. It felt more like deep respect. 
and her legacy, like her legend being shared with like the fact that, like she kind of flex like that. Like she she has a mother goddess component to her about the planet of Mars. Uh Arako proper because she did make it. Um, but it's a question of would you get the same reaction if Iceman set foot there and like was like, I built the climate of this planet, basically. He cooled it. No. He he wouldn't because he also probably would lose several of those fights. Um which we'll get into during our uh, our circuit party today, but he will lose several of those fights. He wouldn't get the same relationship with it. Magneto wouldn't get the same relationship with it, neither. Sabudar probably would. He made the oceans. Oh, Sabudar always on go. I remember that for a fact. Sabudar's always on go. I definitely remember that. Like, read, reading, his, reading about his characterization, he's definitely always on go. That's that's a nigga who will bust a grape in a proof fight. He 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 ready. Mm-hmm. He ready. Say if you don't swim in my ocean, you a pussy. Yeah, like Sovnar, <laughs> be on go, like for real. I don't know. I'm excited for the next issue. I want to see more about Aura Serata. Um, it's think Aura Serata is definitely ready to kill some bitches. I'm also happy they illustrated what happens when you lose a challenge as an Omega um, on the council, which is he was like, I asked you, do you want to die or do you want mercy? And if you want mercy, I decide what happens to you. Like that, that power also is broken. The power to call for gods. Yeah. It seemed very Summoner-like. It was very Summoner-like because they did that whole thing about the Summoners of Araka. We haven't seen any we have not seen any. We just saw the one summoner. We haven't seen any others. They said they're in that world as lucid, and they are the ones stabilizing it, which I feel like they need to they need to touch on that more. Um, in Knights of X, that's also the thing that that's the thing that's that's loose, a uh, loose strand in Knights of X. But it's a very summoner like ability. He can call for gods, and the fact that he said like we call for a god, we ask him to help, and they lost the first battle. Hum- ridiculously lost and he's just kept squabbling with each other and we're not with that shit I appreciate it love it and so they chopped off his fucking head and put him into a box um which worked I wouldn't do any differently I agree with you wholeheartedly Aura Serata I have not disagreed with Aura Serata this entire time I'm waiting for it to happen I haven't Okay, and I think that's all for right this week. Oh, one last thing. Love you, Juggernaut. You look great, sis. I want to suck in that mm-hmm. black can meat. It's oh. not your fault your brother don't love you enough to invite you over. Yeah, that that uh, that was some shade. That was some deep shade. And they probably was like, I'm the one who asked you for you to be here, actually. <laughs> Welcome back, Blindfold. We love you, sis. We are happy that you turned off your X gene. Well, now you, you changed it. You changed your power. And that's appreciated. Well, she projected herself into the altar so that her, her precognition power doesn't interfere with Destiny's power because they don't work well together. Oh, that's Because their wild. powers work in opposites. Like one sees potential futures, one sees choices. Um, Blindfold's power is more absolute. She... Also, seems her power doesn't work past her lifespan. It doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, she sees the course of her future. I don't think she's ever 
in her writing, like any of her history in the comic, um, has ever seen someone else's future other than her own. Okay, so we're moving on to the circuit party for this week. Um, this week's circuit party, we will be discussing the hierarchy of Omega Local Mutants. Um, now that we have a healthy amount, I think it's important to pit the girls against each other and not give them any hope for recompense. As we, like, when you look at the list, Omega Level Mutant is an impressive thing, but it's very clear that not all Omega Level Mutants are created equal. Like, I love my girls on Table Dust, right? But the power to, the Omega Level potential ability to make metal is not the same as being like Magneto who has the Omega Level potential to bend electromagnetism. I just watched the death battle featuring Magneto. And he fought the uh, dude from Akira, Tetsuo, and fucked him up. And they didn't even touch on his higher level feet. They didn't bring up the fact that he pulled a metal bullet the size of a country, wasn't it? From across the galaxy and ripped that shit back over the course of three days, which they're going to be like, oh, it was three days. But I'm like, he, that's not a small was, feat. Was that the one that had... Uh, Kitty in it? Yeah, he brought back Kitty as it was my the size fault. of a continent. Huge ass fucking bullet. Um, if it wasn't huge, it was also a god fucking distance away. Uh, actually, still one of the most pr- impressive abilities any mutant period has done um, in the X Men history. Um, he was really feeling his oats. The writers were like, "I'm gonna do it, whether or not you guys think he should be able to," and it paid off in dividends. Um, only time I could say it in a more impressive ability, a more impressive showing was Storm. Um, what's her biggest feat? Not her most impressive. I don't know what her biggest feat was outside of a Mars-sized uh, Storm. So I would argue <laughs> that her being able to control the Storm within Mjolnir yeah. was her biggest feat. That's her biggest feat. Her most impressive has been her face in a, in a, in a hurricane. That's her most impressive, um, just because mm-hmm. she shouldn't be able to do that. Um, if anyone would complain about anything, I wouldn't say complain about a fucking solar storm. I would say complain about shaping your face into the wind. That is not possible. Um, but she did it, and we're not complaining, and she'll do it again. So for this, we'll be ranking the Omegas. Um, do you, I just wrote out the list. I just want to be sure we don't miss somebody. All right, go through them. If we don't remember you, you weren't necessary. If we forget who you are, we don't add you to the list. That just means you weren't impressive enough to make it in the first place. Because if you're on Omega and we don't remember you, that means you suck. Boop, boop. Um, We are not counting the pretenders. So Franklin and Wanda are not counted. Um, So our list is Legion, Storm, Exodus, Magneto, Hope, Proteus, Elixir, Vulcan, Jean Grey, Quentin Quire, Iceman, Jamie Braddock, Mad Jim Jaspers, who I argue is an Omega, even though he was not on the list, Mr. M, that teleporter girl from X-Men United and the Deadpool comic that nobody read, Zylo, Iska, Tarn, the uncut, uh, Idol, Genesis, Lotus Logo, or however the fuck you say that nigga's name, Aura Serata, and uh, Nameless. First and foremost, 
I'm going to drop down <laughs> anyone with a passive or individual-based ability to the bottom oh. of the list. Tuka also. How did I forget Lactuka? Lactuka is gonna be close to the top. Uh just off the strength of what we've seen, like if they're Omega, they don't have a big feats. I think it's important uh that they still get added to the top based off what we have seen lesser versions of them do. So just off the fact that we know that Lactuka is an Omega level version of our homeboy, our anti-imperialist king. Um, and we've seen everything he can do. She's getting bumped up for me. I think the bottom of that list would have to probably be also Majim Japsters is Monarch. So they're the same person, just variants. Uh-uh. No. Isn't Majim Japsters Monarch? Is, Monarch is Jamie Braddock's um code name or mutant name. Majim yeah, but, Jasper's mutant name is Majim Jaspers. Yeah, but Majim Jaspers is an alternate universe version of his older brother, right? Nope. Mad Jim Jaspers is not related to the Braddocks at all. Jamie Braddock is uh, the only Braddock. Uh, uh, I'm going to message Connor. I'm still going to demand from him a Mad Jim Jaspers episode because I clearly don't understand anything about I I'm going to be real. I haven't read Excalibur. And I'm not going to. The original Excalibur run, I haven't. I'm not going to. It looks He's, chaotic, and I appreciate that, but I don't. The, the Mad Jim Jaspers warp is probably the only story... Well, really, the only reason Majim Jaspers exists in the first place is because the story that he originated in, they couldn't use Jamie Braddock because he was tied up in something else. So they ended up... No, it was the other way around. The only reason Jamie Braddock exists is because they couldn't use Majim Jaspers. Yeah, I know he's supposed to be like the a literary personification of the corruption of the British upper nobility and shit. I got that clearly, mm-hmm. but like... I don't know. It just it seemed very convoluted. Um and I don't want to touch it. I don't want to touch it. Um but all right, I'm dropping Elixir to the bottom of the list. And I'm dropping Gene Gray, unfortunately, to the bottom of the list. Being on Mega Level Telepath is really impressive. Um, but it, wait, you're give, you're put dropping Gene, but not, not far. Not far. She's not going far down. Quentin Choir is also going down too. Okay, I was going to say, if you're going to drop one, you better drop both. Whether or not he's a telepath, I think his, I don't say his amygdala potential is telepathy, because it's not. It's just not. It's his brain. He's an omega-level thinker. He has omega-level imagination. Um, I'm happy that, that that's the clarification point of what happened when he was like, oh, I have this brilliant idea, and Gene was like, oh, I sense it now. Is His brain works on a cosmic level. So he can do things like make an AI system. He's an Omega level version of Sage, basically. Okay. I'm going to give that to him, but it's an impressive ability, but it's like being Cypher. If Cypher, technically, to me, Cypher should be an Omega level mutant, but his Omega level ability is not great. So he's going to drop down there. Destiny would be also be if she was on this list, but she's not confirmed Omega. Isn't Idol actually the Omega precog? Oh, yeah, Idol is. She's dropping to the bottom of the list. Um, Idol is the Omega Precog. She's dropped straight on down to the bottom of the list. Uh, (laughs) Lotus Logo is going to drop to the bottom, too. Lotus Logo. What is Lotus Logo's ability again? Oh, yeah, the the metal speaking? To speak speak things into existence. That's part of it, but they clarified that it's specifically things made of metal. 
Uh, I thought it was just they could speak things into existence, and they just tended to do that with weapons because they're Iraqi. Yeah, I would have appreciated it was just step if they kept it like that, but they clarified later said, no, he's the Omega level. Like if Magneto manipulates metal, he creates it. It's like the difference between Pyro, the first Pyro, and the later Pyros is he bends fire and he can't be burned by anything he bends, but he can't make it. So I'm going to put Logos Loto to middle bottom because I haven't seen the extent of what that looks like. And if it's equal to the shit I've seen Magneto do, I feel like they should be justifiably able to make metal the size of a country. Give us a bullet made out of Mysterium the size of a continent. They probably can. They probably can. Give us, show me Lotus Logo making a fortress out of a word, out of a, out of a haiku, and I'll give him more. But for right now, middle bottom. Um, We're putting nameless down there also. Nameless ability is literally just do what anyone else can do. So middle bottom, maybe above Lotus Logo, because also, no, she killed herself. Beneath Lotus Lotus. <laughs> she basically killed herself. That's not a lot of confidence in you, baby. Um, Tarn the Uncaring will also, by proxy of me putting Elixir down there, would also be middle bottom above Lotus Logo. Xylo is going to have to go down there also. I don't agree. <laughs> middle, I'll put, put Xylo absolute middle. Xylo's power is I can make all of the ingredients that you need. Yeah, he's a it's okay. a high body. It's a and also they can reshape um I don't know if they were trying to say is they are geokinetic, but I guess what they were doing is basically what worms do, like the whole burrow thing, and they, they reshape the structure of like stones and minerals underneath the ground, but on a bigger scale. Pro- he was providing who who worked with Xylo? Was it was it Elixir that worked with Xylo on Planet Size X-Men? No, Xylo worked by himself. No one worked with Xylo. Um, sure? I think Hope magnified Xylo's ability, but Xylo un- like unsheathed his body and became tendrils and like went into the ground and was feeding it nutrients. I think at most, like they helped the plants grow, but it didn't seem like that's the main thing that Xylo was there to do. Silo was making nutrients for the planet, things that aren't naturally organic. Like it was releasing CO2 into the air and like releasing like um, oxygen particles and give it the planet like necessary like elements basically for the periodic table. It wasn't like plants or anything like that or animals. It was like raw elements, like chemicals and shit. I literally just pulled out the comic and I'm looking at it. It was like a very specific thing that I look at it and it was like, this is not something Elixir could help with. Like, yeah, they made the plants flourish afterwards, but like the plants couldn't exist without the chemical components that Xylo was introducing. Oh, no. It's Elixir here with him. Yeah, Elixir came. and Xylo together. But then... Elixir came with him to turn, because what Xylo does is he gives... The pieces. Yeah, the components. The elixir was there to make that turn into life. Yeah, like push across the evolutionary, like yeah, so Xylo was making the elemental periodic table. He was giving the chemical components to the planet 
and a process that probably would have took like thousands of years. And then Elixir was there to take the components, pull them together, and create basically that primordial soup. Like plants, moss, bacteria, things like that. Yeah, they they did a whole lot with this damn story. <laughs> um, so that's why I'm not putting Xylo to the bottom, because Xylo's component did not require a living thing. In fact, they are the living thing. They're omega level hive. So who are our top of the totem pole folks? At the very we, top, I would we, argue that it's all of the the reality warpers. So all of the reality Legion, warpers. Monarch, Magium Jaspers, Mr. M. I'm gonna put Iska up there just because her power is to not lose. Uh, Proteus. Proteus is the bottom of that list. Iska is the one I feel like we extremely debated moment because Iska's ability still revolves around like she can't be powerful in a vacuum. Oh no, I'm on the phone. Her being a cheater. Yeah, basically being a cheater. Her power mm-hmm. requires someone else. Like she's not the strongest. She is just unbeatable. And kind yeah. of like in my head, it's like why someone like Domino and someone like um why am I suddenly getting the name? You know what I'm talking about. When I say Domino and I say Iska, you know the third person I'm talking about. Callisto is the other person. Callisto uh, like on, the, on the Maximal for probabilities. No, our power, their power is hyperadaptability. Darwin. They adapt to any. Darwin, yes, Darwin. Uh, oh. Darwin can't control his power, but technically, Darwin's ability makes him one of the most powerful mutants in the world. Um, but at the same time, his power is useless if there's no threat. Eska's ability to never no, lose. No, he can use it offensively now. Or no, that was just in the vault. Never mind. Yeah. He can't use it offensively anymore. Eska's ability is too, is too, it requires too many things to like appear. Like she can never lose. It doesn't mean she can never die. It, it's really just Isn't conceptually losing. Not really. It depends. Like if she kills herself, that's not losing. Okay, that's fair. If she dies of old age, that's actually victory. You you're supposed to they, die at old age. They can't. They they don't age. They need to explain that as well. It's it doesn't like they don't age. Fisher King aged. It looks like they're just extremely long lived. He. That's why I argue that he's not a mutant, or he's a mutant whose um, X gene never kicked in. There's old mutants too, like um, old dude, like the the first wielder of the Sea of Law, like he. Hey, she was old. There's old people on Arako, but like it seems like they're just extremely long lived. Like how as guardians aren't unaging, they just age at like a standstill. Okay. So it appears to me that like one day Iska might just get up there. Genesis doesn't like she's aging, but I think it's just an individual mutation thing. Um, it might be something else that might clarify it later. Like there might be a ritual that y'all do. I wouldn't be surprised if they do blood magic. Um, but it's looking like there's another component to it going on. It gives me that they're all essentially, which is where the externals come from. So that it gives me that they have that same background where immortal ability that the externals have. Mm-hmm. 
we'll see, just not resurrecting because they don't look like they get down with resurrection at all. Yeah, that's the resurrection at all. Um, They're like, oh, we die. That's it. If you die, you stay dead. That's the point, is that you lost at some point. Um, So, yeah, so it looks like Iska's power will literally, like, she can't do much anything else. Like, if you need someone to move a planet or problem solve, the only thing she really does in a situation where she's up against an obstacle that she can't pass is it switches sides. But like, what happens? Mm-hmm. What what with her being in in a let's say like they, they dropped her in a dimensional space with no like theoretical constants, where that neutralize her ability? It would literally neutralize her ability. I think that's like literally thing that like I pitched before about how to beat her is that you just don't try to fight her. If you engage her and you have full knowledge, you're going to surrender at the end. It's not about like you beating her. Like she, I'm sure I won't be able to beat your ass for a good half of the fight. Because you know at the end of the day, like, you're going to win this. If you're not fighting her with the intent to win, then so there's like, no way for her to win. At the same time, also, if you don't surrender... But also the intent of, like, she can't kill you. Because she knows she can kill you. She can just kill you in the battle. But if the intent of, like, you can't kill this person... Yeah, like, like, like this... this there's, there's a loophole in her ability. We're going to figure that out one day. It's conceptual. It's a big loophole in there. Like, if she went against Karnak, for instance. Right. His power is he sees your weakness. He just won't fight you seriously. (laughs) Or if um, she goes against Sync. Or Callisto. If she fought Callisto, because to me, Callisto is one of the top tier. She would beat Callisto's ass. She would. I, after listening to Callisto's episode in Cerebro, I have to give more clout to her name a little bit. Just because they haven't illustrated her power properly oh, doesn't mean... Only because mean... Iska's power is not to lose, so she has the higher higher version of Callisto's ability. I would argue is more so about putting Iska against someone who is a formidable enough warrior that they can intentionally match her strength for strength, like knowing that she will lose, but it's all about drawing out the fight rather than being killed immediately. So, like, sync versus sync or hope versus Iska sync would be, or hope going against or Iska would be the person that would draw hard to a stalemate and as long as you don't surrender but you know you're going to surrender eventually like Iska was beating the fuck out of Betsy because Betsy was trying to win whereas if she fought someone who wasn't trying to win there's not a contest there's no way for her to really activate her ability uh, Oh, so like what Apocalypse did with Annihilation, where he ended up surrendering and that's how he won. Yeah. Okay. So her power is defined by whatever the contest is. Like, if you challenge Iska to a game of Dungeons and Dragons, she won't be able to beat you. There's no real definitive way to win at Dungeons and Dragons, but it's a contest, so to say. It's a game. Like, there's loopholes to her powers that will literally just go... It rewrites the rules so that she can win. But that doesn't mean she's powerful. It doesn't mean she sits on a hierarchy. Technically, it's not a fairly useful power. It's just one that is respected more in the culture she's in. Like, her power is not built for peacetime. That's why she does not like sitting on the council without, like, being a myth. Because it defines her to be in conflict. Like, it, so where are we putting... I put her at the upper middle. 
Is that so? Where are we power? putting Storm, Exodus, Magneto, Hope, Vulcan, and the Teleporter Girl from X Men? They're all in the upper regions. Um. Yeah. Specifically, like, like, like Exodus is a really powerful telekinetic. He's actually really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's more dangerous than Quentin Quire on some level. He can do all all he can teleport and do all those yeah. things that he has as his power is is just versions of telekinesis. Like his six one six uh counterpart has nothing on um I mean um his age of apocalypse counterpart has nothing on his six one six version at all. It's like people still don't understand. I just have to re educate myself and reread a lot of Exodus stuff where like his teleportation thing where he moved um Araki Araco from Earth to Mars, that situation was literally within his wheelhouse of abilities before. He can teleport. And right. he literally does it by... It's that quantum mechanics bullshit. Of, he's so telekinetic. He's so exact with it that he can bend quantum strings and port himself around. Yeah, he just needed uh, Lactuco in his head to know exactly where to place it. Yeah, so he didn't split the planet in half. So, but 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 truthfully, the 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 weakness in X's ability is his uh, likelihood to follow God-like people and to be manipulated. Yep, it's That's like Bobby. It's like Bobby's ability is actually really powerful, but Bobby himself is so unimpressive that he can never use it right. Right. And that's so sad. Bobby is, is really powerful. Bobby should be stronger than Storm. But I have to be 110% honest. He should be stronger than her. And I wonder when we're going to see that uh, Dr. Manhattan sissy Bobby. We haven't seen it yet. What is he doing? I thought he was be uh, popping up on an Amen or something to live out whatever his BDSM fantasy is. But I guess he's just oh, uh, Ice Mage. Is that is his that his future stuff? I thought it was um Ice Wizard. Uh, I think it's Ice Mage. Whatever it is is broken. I don't like his his cosplay. Maybe they'll throw him in Knights of X. No, there's no book you can really put Bobby in that makes any sense because he's such an unimpressive character that there's nothing you can really have him in. And I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, Bobby deserves to be here. Let's have important conversations with Bobby Drake. Right. Oh, he's Ice Master. Sorry. Uh, yeah, he need, pull, he need pull his shit together. Because Bobby, Bobby should really be handling the girls, but Bobby up there laying up on a Christian Frost... And now working on his shit. Bobby's moving to Atlanta to bring snow to the south. Bobby's at Pride right now. He said, I will see y'all girls on the other side of the Destiny of X. I ain't for any of this shit. I'm so sorry. I'm outside in New York. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like, girl, I'm not doing none of that shit with my man, and I'm in love. And he got money. Ooh, is that his, is that his superpower, gold digging? Yes. That's a good power to have. It's sad. Um, (laughs) So, Sissy Bobby is upper lower because his ability, fundamentally, it should be stronger, but he can't apply it. Storm's at the near top. She's not higher than Exodus um, in my head. She's just not. Because Exodus' ability is too encompassing. 
Ex, no, Exes and Storm had fought. He let her have it. Mm-hmm. He let her have it. And, and, and you, know, I, you know, we have a lot of Storm fans on this shit, and I'm a Storm fan myself, but Exodus let Storm have it. I think hand-to-hand, with a few knives, Mama gave him a run for his money, but power set, what she did to Vulcan, she could do that to Exodus. Couldn't. Because also... Once, I'm happy to reveal that he does receive um, empowerment from worship, uh, from belief. It's not worship, it's belief. Storm gets it from right. worship. They don't clarify that that's her. Storm could hitch the fight, but she kind of cheats in that we all know she's using magic accidentally in most of her shit. Her X-Gene by itself, though, isn't pulling a lot of the weight. In a flat-out fight, I would say now, in her current version, now that we know all these extra powerful she got, and now she can hit the God hit Storm to fight. I would say it'd be a bit more fair of a fight, but if it's just X Gene, no. And I and I think then I think and I think you I think that I agree with you also. And I think also what makes it a fairer fight too versus Storm versus Vulcan or Exodus versus Vulcan is because two things that Storm and Exodus do not have. Well, two things they don't have and that they do have that Vulcan doesn't. That one. Storm and Exodus don't have ego. Two, they both have humility. And that's something that Vulcan <laughs> has plenty of ego and no humility whatsoever. It's a so part like, of his power, though, obviously. Like, his ability, which gets him, like, he's in the upper range. I'm not going to sleep with him too much. He's in the upper range. But his power, right. like, you remember those early introductions to Vulcan where he was like, everyone was throwing everything at him. And he was just like, I eat everything. I'm Captain Marvel, but stronger. I could eat magic. It was like a fight between him and um, Warlock. And Warlock was like throwing quantum spells at him, like cosmic level magic at him. And he was like, actually, whole, you're making me stronger. War, the whole War of Realms through, oh, I'm sorry, War of Kings versus Realm of Kings. That whole fucking phase, that nigga was fucking everybody up. He was taking uh-huh. hits from Black Ball. Rachel couldn't touch him, and I would argue that she's pro- she's an Omega level telepath, but they don't include her for some stupid reason. Like when he ate, he couldn't touch him. When he ate Rachel's telepathic burst, he was like, "I eat those." It's psionic energy. It was over. It was a wrap. Everyone, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. Um, that's why what makes what what Storm did at X Men Red more impressive is that she revealed like she basically put her dick on the table and went. This is a battle of wills at this moment. Your power right. is this. My power is this. At this point, it literally will be. You will win if your will was stronger than mine. And it's not. You can't outwill me. Um, and it's not. And she's got decades of experience using her power longer than he has. He was just she's like, gonna whoop his ass every time. She was like, "This is lightning. You should have no problem manipulating this. This is in your wheelhouse. Except I'm fighting against you. You're not. You're not taking it. Mm-hmm. It's what makes it most impressive. It's the truth. Like she can. She is one of two people who can wield, wield eternity. She she qualified for Sorcerer Supreme without any qualifications. Honestly, without the qualifications, thing is a big thing right now because." You know, being source of supreme is all about nepotism. I'm just gonna say it, it is. Um, and so for them to first be considered by Agamotto in the first place, with no connections to any of that circle, is a big feat. So, well, she has the 
the genetic the her ancestor connection and then ishtar is who blessed her whole her family yeah, line ashtar did bless her and ashtar did appreciate her but agamotto really makes his rulings really about his own self really that caterpillar person really don't do shit logistically um so yeah aisha is qualified but honestly you don't want I don't think the writers were thinking about Aisha, the Rainmaker. She wasn't even in Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme, which I was appreciating that they would have showed her. We haven't seen one visual of Aisha. I wish they included her because they included who I love. Oh, what is Sir her name? Isaac the was native. in it. Um, Wiccan was in there. The older Hispanic lady with the guns. Then there was the indigenous Kishala. Oh, the Ghost Rider. Oh, I love Kishala. Yes, Demon Rider. I thought they were going to bring her back. I thought they were bringing her back for a bit, and then like they just. I think that comic just was past one, but they were bring her back. Yeah, I think so too. But like, she's amazing as a character, and the Avengers team that she was on had, uh, I think it was the first woman Black Panther. That if they were smart and made her the scientist supreme, while Kushala was the sorcerer supreme, that would be in a very interesting story. I about. think they couldn't but, do it because technically Wakanda didn't hit its scientific um, renaissance until T'Challa's dad. Back then they were still, they had advanced science, but they didn't lean big into the scientific development until... T'Challa's dad went, okay, we're going to pull away from conservatism a bit more and integrate more into scientific development fields. That's when they started getting Kimoyo cards and they started building higher, higher things. They were still not leaning away from the tribalist behavior of Wakanda. Okay. They could have did it at any moment, but they just went, they didn't want to, like, they wanted to be traditional. And so that meant they had, like, court shaman still. And which doctors employ to do anything they need to do. Okay. Um, Are we missing we anyone? Another, the the teleporter, the, but I think she mm -hmm. goes underneath Storm. Um, we got to rank the reality warpers, which is hard because by definition, you can't rank reality warpers. I'm putting Legion at the very top. The power to create more mutations is broken. I would argue Mad Jim Jaspers is the broken one. Do you not see um, X-Men Legacy kind of defined it for me? He showed, like, I have this room full of cosmic entities who my mind has developed, who I literally cannot let out ever because any one of them has a power of, like, time distortion or, like, um, apocalyptic manifestations or, like, there was, like, one in there that was, like, they bent the quantum strength itself. Mad Jim Jasters almost destroyed the multiverse by himself. I don't. I, I, I will say I don't. I think Proteus is higher than um Mercator, Mr. M. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I say that only. Yes. And I say that only because Proteus is involved in the process of the five and reconstituting new mutants. And I remember specifically after the one nine eight happened and when when decimation happened, um, Mercator could not restore mutant abilities. You can grow your hair back. You can move some shit around. But Mama wasn't giving back abilities. Yeah. Monarch was giving reality reshaper rather than warper. And like, Proteus, mean, isn't he the psionic wait, um, reality warper? 
No, not Marnock, Mr. M. Mr. M? Yeah, uh, Mercator. Oh, yeah, I forget about him all the time because he never pops up. He'll never do shit. <laughs> what are they, We've what are only seen him once. And he's in that, well, not once total, but like only in that. that, that time. He's the uh, Phantom Stranger of the X Men. That's why. He's like, I'll pop up uh, when shit feels like I need to. Well, and he's really the definition of I mind my business. Yeah, he gets he Merlin hell. Merlin, Merlin ain't for that. Merlin got his ass beat because he's the Merlin of the X Men world. I don't know if I'm saying Merlin or Marilyn. They it's both is right. Same. It's Meriden, it's Merlin, Merlin, and Merlin. It's Merlin. And Merlin, and Merlin. All of it is Merlin. All of it is Merlin. Have you ever met someone named Merlin? That's the weirdest motherfucker you know, period. Yeah. I think he yeah. had good dick. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, you what? ask, if you ask any of Was this a lovely Merlin Santana that died? Mm-hmm. He was fine, too. The guy from the Steve Harvey show? Oh, he was fine. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Oh, it's a good dick dies. Um, Very much. Don't Gene know it. But fundamentally, right, I put Leech at the top of the list. Proteus is a psionic reality worker, right? He's a psionic one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the definition of that is that he can do shit that reality can't handle. So, yeah, I'm going to put him closer to the top as well. Like, basically, it seems like he's the Omega-level version of Christian Frost, where he builds something out of imagination and it just comes to existence. It's like thought projection, basically. Whereas, like, Monarch has to, like, grab quantum strings and pull shit to make it. Right. It's the technicalities that count, you know? And that's about it. There's no other... Omega's worth talking about that really fit to the top. Shout out to Araco. Um, you girls do your thing, but really, I think by definition, the mutant weapons are so straightforward that it doesn't feel like they're much use for anything outside of a fight. All I know yes. is... Or, or a Serata, I know, is towards the top, though, because erasing you from existence that's versus reality warping... Girl, one's a power of creation, one's a power of unmaking, and also Orsorada shows up when she wants to. Yep, that's Mama, Mama makes the entrance. I feel like Tarn tries everyone except her. <laughs> also, because she's the only one that, other than Storm, they could beat him without even thinking about it. She's giving Eye of Ekron, except the Eye of Ekron is living. Ooh, what a great finale that was. It really was. I was so shocked to see the Emerald Empress. I'm like, I forgot I stand her completely. She's one of my favorite villains. I forgot all about that. I loved watching Legion of Superhero comics on W uh, on Kids WB. Shout out to the 90s kids who still remember the originator of the Shaolin Showdown. Um, shout out to DC Animated because their movies could never. Marvel's movies, no Marvel movie has hit the hem of a DC animated series. Yeah, I have to except agree. for Doctor Strange: Sorcerer Supreme, that was just good. I'm sorry, it was. Have you seen Doctor Strange: Sorcerer Supreme? Henry? I have it on DVD. I have it on DVD. It actually was like, like that. that it was has like great replay value. Of like Marvel movies was good, but like they jumped a shark soon after. But DC has always had superior animation. Like even like bringing mm-hmm. in Razor into Justice, uh, bringing into Young Justice, and that's the same Razor 
from the Green Lantern series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Looking for Aya, like. And their Green and Lantern I moves are good too. That series, right? And it's so funny. Like I, at first, when I first saw the Green Lantern, I was like, I don't want to watch this. This looks dumb. Like the animation, but that storytelling. First flight. Mm-hmm. They do a good job of illustrating like how powerful the Green Lanterns are. I feel like we shot her out before, but shout out to Andrea Romano because she's a voice director and she does all the. She picks the talent. Mama got taste. You know what? Doom. Uh, there's so many just great. This so much greatness. I'm happy. I'm excited for next season. I want to see them do the Black Mary story arc correct because she was ripping through mm-hmm. shit that entire run. Oh, the bitch was un- uncouth. <laughs> And Supergirl is there, too. And y'all know I don't like um, Kryptonians. And the fact that they wrote Drew and uh, Laura Zod in such a way, and drew them in such a way that I actually enjoyed them as characters, that says a lot, because I hate Kryptonians. They were fighting. They were boxing. They, those things were fighting. Those... But, let's, but let's talk about who was on character. Shout out to my nigga Metron. Shout out to my nigga Metron. Metron is a level of petty I aspire. I was rereading the new uh the new gods original comic um just for funsies. Because I like I like the Eternals and if they're just a rip-off of the new gods, I'll like that too. The the new gods are not anywhere near as, as good as the Eternals. It's and I not, say that with every five. It's not, I'll say that Claremont definitely came back learning some things after he did it. Um, because like the original origins of the Eternals is that he left these he left Marvel to go to DC after he got axed from X Men. He did the New Gods, and then Jim Lee. It was Jim Lee. I'm fucking names up. Yeah, but basically that left over to go do the Eternals, and they're basically the Marvel's version of it, but that they're better fundamentally, flat out. Um, but I did appreciate the fact that Metron being the version of a druid shows it. Like, he's a dickhead. Um, and nice bone in his damn body. And he's petty, and he'll sit there, and he'll methodically plot out some fucked up shit just for funsies. Um, he's gonna say, oh, so you broke into my safe house where all of my fancy things are. I'm gonna get you back, and you won't see it coming. Do you realize... That and did. fucking Orin yelled at me for a good three seconds. Right. The inconvenience of it alone gets you fucked up. Metron was like, protect all black women. <laughs> 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 he was like, like, because he was like, because like the thing was so funny because Rocket was like, how'd you get the time spirit? Oh, Metron just gave it to me. But why? It's like, I don't, like, everybody's like, I don't know. Rocket is <laughs> like, I'm not here to ask these fucking questions. Girl, I don't fucking know. It's like, like, I don't know what's going on. So, baby, I'm not figuring out what's going on with Amistad. I am not worried about Metron right now. Let's get this fighting going. Yeah, Listen. Like, like, she had no clue what was going on. She's like, yeah, Metron saved me. It's like, what? Satanic and her ass beat by a fucking magic guy. So this thing is magically out of my fucking league. I'm like, what is in Satana? What is it, baby? Oh, and also, and also, shout out to our good sis, uh, Sissy Bobby of the DC Universe, uh, Isaac with Junior for catching the bouquet. <laughs> Isaac with Junior. That's the best storyline ever. I'm happy they had that relationship. They were talking about it for the last like what, four, five seasons of like how much Isaac with Junior stands them, fucks with them. Uh, 
I'm surprised he wasn't a groomsman, honestly. I think Ice Cube Jr. should be a groomsman. All right, so what comments are we looking forward to for next uh, week? So our next week comics are Wolverine 22 and X-Men Red number three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those will be our two books next week. So you know I'm only reading one of those. Praise the Lord. Um, X-Men Red number three. Can't wait to see Walking His Ass Beat. Um, I know that fucking Strange came out last week i'm trying to see what else is on there because i am keeping up with strange um marvel comic calendar that we never i never have up whenever i ask the question me either and i literally just had okay um so it's what else is coming up this week june 12th Fantastic Four, which people have said is good. They introduce a planet of black people with superpowers. It's all right. I'm only really half-ass paying attention to it. Um, DC has a bunch of stuff that's coming out this week. I Am Batman, uh, Blood Blood Syndicate, which I know you're not reading because of the writer. Um, May he fucking choke. Duo by Greg Pak. Um, Hawkling and Wiccan by Alvarez. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know her. Um, Jasmine Alvarez. Who are they kissing? It looks like they're did they open a relationship up. Child, I'm I'm not paying attention. Oh, to that. it's comic about anyway. another a magical artifact shows them the path that they didn't take, and yeah, it shows they them that. that basically. The powers and interests that can happen when you marry, but also have an open relationship. I can keep it. Um, Iron Fist is the only the only other thing that I see that I uh, will be purchasing this week. And that's actually been an interesting ish story because it's using it's um, the guy who's used to be called Swordmaster, Lin Lai or Lai Lin. Yeah, he became like the that. Iron Fist. Yeah, he became the Iron Fist after they did that mini series with um, Okoye temporarily holding the Iron Fist, um, and before she gave it back to Shao Lao. They should just Wakanda stuff. She needs just needs some more time to breathe on this home, honestly, than it needs to be integrating with other things. Um, but that's my personal feelings. I also hope that X-Men Red introduces Gentle to the team uh, because he's there and he needs to be a part of this narrative, I kind of feel like, of him embracing the culture of fucking Arako to... This toxic positivity act is annoying because it's sad. And I want him I to... Think, I think the Iraqi Brotherhood with Storm would serve better... While I like Brown Bobby, I think it would serve better having uh, Sunfire on that team because then you have Storm, Sunfire, and Thunderbird who were part of the um, original, the original giant, giant size, size X team. Yeah, I think that's what they should be going for is to recreate the team. But also, I'm like, the brotherhood. The brotherhood always has a bruiser. There's always someone whose power is just strength. They don't have that right now. I just yes, I do. Thunderbird. I forget all about him sometimes. Yeah, he counts, but he's not gentle. 
He's not. He's not gentleman. Yeah. That's his number one crime in that comparison. Um, but that's all the time we have for this week. Very short episode. Make sure you let us know how you enjoyed the new format. Uh, hit us up at Hello KRKA Radio on Twitter. Um, I'm thinking about getting us a TikTok, but honestly, the editing alone is annoying. So make sure you hit us up on Twitter because that's all you're getting from us. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a nice day.